You are listening to the Add Up Experience, where we make education your business. In today's bonus episode, Add Up Embedded, with me, Elizabeth Liva, I will be taking a deep dive into the plethora of coronavirus resources for faculty with Danielle Shelton. Danielle has been a teacher for 20 years and has a wide range of experience in education. Now, let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody. This is Elizabeth Liba, and on the line, I have Danielle, how are you? Oh, I'm wonderful, and how are you? I'm doing amazing. So I want us to dive right into it. Um, Why don't you tell me where you are today? Where are you located? I am located in sunny South Florida. Okay. All right. South Florida, also where I'm located. So we're in the same neck of the woods. So let's get started with our conversation and find out a little bit more about you. Um, Why don't you share with us a little bit about your background? You know that you have a very extensive uh, background and experience in education both um, in a face-to-face and online environment. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about how you got into education and and some of your experience in that area? Okay, well, um, the start in education was easy because I used to always line my baby dolls up and like teach them lessons. So I knew from a very young age that I wanted to teach. And um, once I got into teaching at a very young age, I graduated from Florida A&M University And as soon as I graduated from Florida A&M University, my first teaching gig was actually for an uh, ADD, ADHD institute at a private school. And I learned there um, how different smells, different tastes, different foods, how it affects student learning. Um, And I also learned how to, to teach kids Um, that may have very, very short attention span, so how to keep them involved and engaged in a lesson. Um, So that was kind of like the kickstart of my career, and then I moved from there to teaching middle school for over eight years, and then from there to teaching uh, higher ed, and I taught college level face-to-face and online, which I still teach online. And now I um, teach high school as well. So my experience in education um, overall is knocking on about 20 years, 18 years, wow. about 20 years. And uh, with online instruction specifically, it's knocking on about 10 years. I would say actually over 10 years um, from wow. the time when I got my first um, higher education gig. Gotcha. Wow. You have a very impressive teaching background. So I'm really glad to get some of your gems of wisdom as we get into some of the the meaty topics of what we're going to be talking about today. So we all know that, you know, the the country is facing a health issue or um, epidemic or pandemic is what it's officially known as right now. And uh, there's definitely some fear associated with what we're facing, uh, the coronavirus and, and this healthcare health issue and how it's 
affecting us as a country. Mm-hmm. Specifically, what we want to talk about today is how it's affecting the world of education. And a lot of schools, we know here in South Florida, schools are closing both higher education, um, colleges and universities, as well as K through 12. A lot mm-hmm. of schools are closed. So we want to talk a little bit about the transition as we've seen all over the news, all over the internet. A lot of schools are going to online remote options in terms of being able to maintain students' ability to access their classes and and have seamless educational experience without having a break in that because of this health issue. So in your experience, you have a lot of online teaching experience. How can teachers, whether it's K through 12 or higher education, how can they best prepare themselves to be able to teach online? What are some of the suggestions or, or tips that you might have for them? Um, well, one of the things that I want to tell teachers, first of all, is to be open and be okay with having to relearn how to do some things. Because sometimes teachers, especially those of us that are seasoned, we get into the habit of doing it our way and doing it one way, and we're not open to other opportunities. But right now, with schools being closed and with everyone um, being afraid with the coronavirus kind of going around and we want to be safe, we want to make sure we keep our family safe. So we're trying to find different ways to educate our children. And one effective way to do that is definitely to do it online. So um, I teach for Broward County Public Schools. And initially, I have to say, when I saw this coming, I was like, oh, Broward schools didn't prepare us. We're not prepared at all in terms of being classroom teachers. But as I sat down in front of my computer and I looked at my Broward schools app system, I said, you know what? We are prepared. We just have to be able to be open to learning. So um, I use Canvas already because you know I have online experience. So it's easier, it's Canvas, easier to transition. For those that don't know, and for those that don't know, Canvas is a learning management system. It's a platform for mm-hmm. higher and for K through 12 to be able to deliver online learning, right? Yes, yes. So, um, and one of the things that I generally do is I kind of upload announcements. I upload discussion boards. I um, upload reading links. And um, I can attach the textbook to um, the online Canvas classroom. Those are just different things, but there are also things that I learned how to do over time. So my uh, biggest piece of advice kind of would be to like be patient and be okay kind of messing it up and learning as we go. Um, Another system that works, especially for math is called Algebra Nation. And it's within that same app for Broward County teachers. And then uh, one thing that the students are is familiar with um, is an app called Khan Academy. And uh, Khan Academy focuses on like math skills and there are games that are involved. It's geometry, it's algebra. Um, so it really will help kind of round out uh, what students are doing and make it so that it's not boring. And then- gotcha. um, In terms of like language arts lessons and geography lessons, there is uh, a website called New Zealand. It sounds like New Zealand, but it looks like News ELA, 
is what you should be typing in news ela and with new vila um, it gives you all types of news it gives you the breakdown on geography you can go to a museum and it has like virtual museums and virtual sites and it breaks down not only geography but they have embedded language arts lessons so that's a really good one for cross-curricular teaching um, and then there is vocabulary.com and there is Think Central where you can go in and look at different online text. So that's just specific to Broward School. But I do want to talk about things because everyone listening isn't in Broward County. So, you know, it may be like, well, that's great for Broward, but what can we do? Um, and I just want to say that NewZela.com can is, is everywhere. So it's national. So it's not just specific to Broward. And also um, there's a website called everclevermom.com. Again, that's ever, E-V-E-R, clever, C-L-E-V-E-R, mom, M-O-M.com. And that just has a listing for every single subject of free websites that anyone can use to educate their students or if you're a parent and you are now home with your child you can log on set up an account and it's absolutely free awesome those are some great resources it sounds like there's a lot of free resources available it's just a matter of like you said being open to the idea that now is the time to maybe explore some of these different options, see what's out there, see what's available, integrate those into a platform if your school district already, ha already has a platform that they're using that is integrated into the face-to-face -face classroom. And if they don't, you can utilize some of these other um, internet resources that are available and use those to supplement so that students don't miss out on anything. Mm -hmm. From a higher ed perspective, I know that we have a lot of resources as well. A lot of the, the major players in the higher ed um, sector, like McGraw-Hill, mm -hmm. like Wiley, a lot of these um, publishers have actually said that, hey, you can have access to our resources for the next three months or so. So Pearson and some of these other uh, publishers, Merlot, Norton, have, because of this health care, this health crisis, have given access to their platforms and their resources so that in the higher ed realm, we're able to assist the students so that they're mm -hmm. not having issues with getting information, getting access to information. Some of the um, web conferencing tools I've seen a lot of people have been asking about online, such as Zoom. They're giving their free version of their softwares and there's no limit on time limit on using them in terms of the amount of time. So Zoom used to have like a 40 minute limit right. when you were using their web conferencing. They've done away with that. The same thing was like GoToMeeting, uh, WebEx. They're allowing schools to use their platforms and their resources for free for the next three months or so. The same thing with uh, Google Hangouts and Microsoft Teams. They're um, giving free access mm -hmm. to some of their resources. So there's definitely a lot of resources. The great thing, which is really heartwarming, this is definitely serious, but there are little glimmers of hope in that, you know, you have a lot of these 
big corporations and big companies that are saying, hey, you know, we understand this is a rough yeah. time and we all have to step up and make sure that the students are not going to lose out. The students are not suffering in the face of everything, all this adversity that they're trying to get through. It's obviously overwhelming for the parents. It's overwhelming for the students, whether they're K through 12 or college students as well. It's, it's difficult. Yeah. And this is this is we've never encountered before. As a teacher and you're, you deal with the students on a daily basis, how would you say you would best prepare students that maybe have never taken, you talked about the, the, the faculty, the teachers being a little bit more mm. open-minded and being understanding that this is going to take time. You're not going to learn it overnight, but you'll get through it and just kind of experiment and, and don't be afraid to fail. What would you say about the students? How do you prepare students for online learning? What's the best way to help them adjust? Um, with students, I always have to stress patience because we are in a society where things happen very quickly and with my students if it's not happening quickly then they become frustrated and then they don't want to do it anymore they completely lose their motivation and what I mm. try to get them to see is it's okay if it's not an overnight process and not only that it's okay if it's not a perfect process so with my students, I really try to get them to understand, like, it's okay if you sign in and the sign in name doesn't work the first time. Keep trying. Try different logins. Try, you know, to send yourself a correction email. I really have to kind of talk them through um, figuring out just how to be patient. And also, um, one of the things that I wanted to touch on is students need to know that teachers are human too. And maybe your teacher is setting it up and they just don't know what they're doing at the very moment. So patience kind of has to go all the way around from teacher to student and from student to teacher. The best thing students can do to prepare um, themselves really is to kind of go on those sites, go on Newzilla and just kind of click buttons and play around with the site. And see, you know, is it going to work? Is it not going to work? Log into Khan Academy and say, you know what? I want to play a couple of games. Let me see, you know, how these games work. Let me see if it's going to help me or not. Go to Nearpod and click through a couple different. So really what students have to be open to is exploring. Let's just explore because through exploring, their learning will be taking place. So just don't be afraid to go to different sites. Be patient, be patient with your teacher. But I also want to advise students, especially my higher education students, my dual enrollment students and my students who are in higher ed. I really want them to take control of their own education right now. Mm -hmm. And I really want them to be like, well, what can I do? to enhance my own education in this moment. If, I, if my teacher isn't quite set up yet and online, what can I do? And you know what? How can I help my teacher set up some online resources? Wow. wow. That's a good perspective. So looking at this as like a teachable moment, maybe to empower students to be a little bit more in control of their own educational goals, huh? Yeah, because, you know, I, I tell my, my students all the time, like, who, who in here knows everything about technology? Because I know there's at least one student in every single class that has built a computer from ground up and they know exactly what to do and why something works and why something doesn't work. And I ask them, and they're like my classroom tech person. 
So if something's going wrong, I am open to learning and I'm open to saying, hey, can you show me how to do this? And I think teachers have to be okay with being vulnerable and letting students know we don't know how to do it all. And then students have to be okay saying, you know what, I'm okay helping and being in control of the education that takes place here. It's, it's kind of a two-person job. And almost like a role reversal because giving the student a little bit more empowerment and you as a faculty, because you might not be as tech savvy as some of, the, some of these students that are Gen Z's and they've grown up with a cell phone in their hand, right. maybe giving them a little bit more control and saying, hey, why don't you show me how to do this or download that or access this? Yeah. That kind of is an interesting perspective in terms of role reversal. Yes, and it, it definitely helps. I can remember I had one student who I was uh, doing a, a PowerPoint and my student was like, you know, Miss Shelton, all you have to do is this. And then I was like, well, no, show me. And they showed me, they was like, just click one button. You don't have to click five. And when they showed me one, <laughs> when they showed me one button, I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. So it really does help. But I was also vulnerable enough to show my students, like, I don't really know what I'm doing and I'm open to you guys coming up and showing me. And because I was open, it gave them, um, it made them feel comfortable enough to say, okay, this is a teacher that I can show, that I can correct and that I can help. And it has helped the classroom. Absolutely. I would think that would build trust because if students see that you're vulnerable and that you're okay with showing that and being transparent, then they can be a little bit more transparent and let the walls down for you mm -hmm. as well, I would think. Yeah. And you know what else I wanted to, to just touch base on, um, just do kind of little drive by here. Um, schools really are safe spaces for a lot of students. And um, even though we're talking about online education, I don't want to forget um, the students who use schools for just their daily meals, their breakfast and their lunch. Um, and I just mm -hmm. want to say that most counties um, have breakfast and lunch still available, even if the school is closed. So nationwide, what I just want to say is please check in your county and see what schools are open and what schools will offer breakfast and lunch so that the student can still focus on learning even if it's at home and they're not hungry. So I did want to kind of get that in a little bit because I think, you know, if you're hungry, it's really hard to focus on trying to learn something. So I, I appreciate the schools for opening their doors even when schools are closed and having staff there available to still feed students who um, won't be getting meals in this very moment. So I just wanted to kind of throw that little nugget in there um, as we talk about learning and we talk about online learning and we talk about resources. I uh, press upon everybody just to check your county and see where those resources are available. That's a really good point. I'm glad that you brought that up because for a lot of parents that are now scrambling around, schools are saying, come Monday, we won't be open. It's good to know that even though they won't be open in the sense of holding classes that they will, a lot of counties, like you said, and just check your county to see what's available in your county, will still have availability for lunch, breakfast and lunch so that those students that do need it will still be able to get those resources and, and you're right you know if someone's worried parents are worried about well what am I going to do to feed I, I wasn't prepared for having to get lunch for my child this week 
then at least they know that they can still go on campus to the schools and be able to get a, a hot lunch mm-hmm. on campus there. So that's a great, and, and in terms of internet access as well, I was looking at mm-hmm. a lot of higher ed, a lot of the schools, even though they're closing and they're, they're migrating to online for some of the schools, there's some schools are still keeping the dorms open. Some schools are still keeping the libraries right. open. So it's all dependent on the school and the resources that they have available. This is all new to everybody. Right. So it's just a matter of just the, the, the main thing is safety and we want to protect the students, like you said. So it's just a matter of just determining, you know, for a lot of these schools, just figuring it out. Like how can they best balance the social distancing that we have to do? How can they best balance making sure that we maintain and retain the safety of the students and that they're not exposed to this disease, but at the same time, still make sure that they're able to continue their education. There's no break in that. They still have access to their courses and and that's why this online modality is so important in, in making sure that we're doing this in a way that is beneficial and effective for the student is really the most important thing. Right. What do you think when we're talking about online learning, what do you think are some of the myths? What are the, some of the, what's this bust? Just do some myth busters. What are some of the things that people think about online learning that you would say are not necessarily true just based on all of your vast knowledge and experience from working as an online instructor. One of the myths that I always hear is online learning isn't for me. I'm not going to learn anything online. And that is not true. (laughs) It can't be further from the truth. And I hear that a lot. Like, oh, I would rather go to school face to face because I'm not going to learn anything online. Well, let's see. If you look at a site like New Zealand, and you click on, I don't know, a museum, and you take a virtual tour, I guarantee you Mm. something about that virtual tour is going to stick with you. Something about what you see is going to be there. And all you had to do was click in and look at it and say, oh, man, okay, this is is new. And one of the things that New Zealand does also is it takes you on a virtual walk. So you can actually say, like... um, so you could say Hawaii and it will take you like on a virtual walk through some of the different islands in Hawaii. That's something wow. that's going to stick with you. So online learning does work. You just have to make it work. So that's one of the myths. Um, one of the myths on the teacher side that I hear often is I'm too old to learn this. <laughs> too old I'm too, to learn yeah. this. I'm too old to learn this. I've been teaching 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. I'm too old to learn this. I hear it in my trainings mm-hmm. all the time, and I hear it as the voices rise up. I'm too old to learn this. And the truth really is, mm-hmm. age has nothing to do with you being able to learn um, an online platform. Now, there is a learning curve. But mm-hmm. there's a learning curve with almost everything that we do. And we only know how to do it yeah. because we do it, we do it over and over again. So the same sure. thing is true for online classes and for learning. You just you log in and start slow, especially for my teachers that have been teaching 30 years, 40 years. Start slow. Start with something very basic. Just start with the textbook because most textbooks are online. And you know what we discovered in higher ed? Most textbooks that are online have activities that are also online. And there are also online tests. And then there are also online quizzes. So you can start 
with something very, very minimal and then branch yourself out. You don't have to try to be, you know, the online teaching guru just yet. Just start out small and then kind of branch yourself. Oh, okay. I, I have the textbook now. Or, oh, okay. Now here's a quiz and I can post that quiz and here's an activity and I can post that activity. So just little by little, I think people need to be okay with just being able to do the bare minimum, get through that, and then we could start building from there. Absolutely. You make such a good point because it's just like anything else in life. You know, when you first logged on to Facebook or if you any other Internet platform, most of the time you get on and then you kind of click around. Like you said, you just start clicking around and then you're like, oh, that's how you do that. Oh, that's cool. Whatever that platform is when it comes to Internet access. And, and now this is a social media generation. So most of us are online, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on whatever platform, Netflix, whatever platform, internet-based platforms that we're on, we didn't know how to use them initially. And it's just from going on them and practicing and accessing whatever they have to offer is that we get more proficient and then we're able to use them more effectively and more efficiently. So you definitely bring up an excellent point there that that definitely is something that just comes through practice. What about the myth? And I hear this a lot in my own travels that online learning is either not as good quality or it's not as engaging you know it's like oh you know how are you going to be able to engage or have any kind of discussion or it's not going to be as as engaged or as robust as if I was in a face-to-face classroom what do you say that make those kinds of statements um well in I'm sorry um I want to be transparent in saying that sometimes <laughs> sometimes online classrooms are not that engaging. Um, but right. we do have yep. a lot of online classrooms that are extremely engaging. I know there are some people that absolutely loathe the discussion boards, but the discussion <laughs> boards can be so insightful and you can really get into like a full-blown all out discussion that is so engaging and that keeps you logging back in. Like, well, what did they say? Well, what did they say? Well, what did they say? Um, So it can be engaging. And then uh, when, when I do online classes, I also do videos and I find that my students like the videos. They like to look on and feel like they can connect with me. So I found that the videos are engaging and they like that kind of back and forth. And they also like to be able to log on when I'm on and do little tutorials and little videos. So now we get to interact back and forth and you get to talk to me and I get to talk to you and that's engaging. So the lessons themselves will always be there. And it's always kind of like a you do, I do, we do type thing where I teach you and I show you okay. and then you, you know, do it yourself. And then we, we try to do it together. So um, I see that reflect in the online classroom as well. But what I do want to say is online classrooms are as engaging as you choose to allow them to be. Much of it is up to the student and much of it is up to the teacher. You have to be open and willing. And if you go in there grudgingly, like, I don't want to do this, then it may not be <laughs> it may not be as engaging because your attitude is starting off in a negative space. But if you start off saying, you know what, 
I really like that question. I really am going to enjoy this discussion. If your attitude says you're going to enjoy it, then nine times out of 10, you will find it engaging. Absolutely. That's such a great point that a lot of it is in your perspective. If you go in, like you said, and I've seen this too, where students are like, well, I only want face-to-face. I'm not interested in online. If they go in with that mindset, then a lot of times they do have a negative experience because they're not open to the idea of even taking an online class. So already they've set themselves up with a a wall and it's already kind of like downhill from there because they're already kind of set themselves up that, hey, I'm not going to like this. This is not face to face. So I don't think this is going to work for me. Just like anything else in life, if you start off like that, then typically it is not going to work for you because you already have a negative attitude. So I'm I'm glad that you talked about that. A lot of it is in perspective. And, And with this situation, as far as it being a health scare, I think that's really important for us to understand that our attitude and our perspective and just trying to be in terms of our mental health, trying not to get stressed out, not to get overwhelmed, to take everything as it comes. You really great gave some really great nuggets of wisdom and advice because a lot of this, I think people are having a hard time with the mental health mm-hmm. aspect of it, the, the unsure aspect of it, like what's going to happen, how is this, and things are changing minute by minute. Every time you open up your phone or you look at the news, it's something else is happening. So we don't want to dive into that rabbit hole of, negativity where it's like oh what's the what's gonna happen like what's the next thing you know and then positive um perspective toward facing online classes and and you want to have it as positive as possible um going into it so that you can get the best and get the Mm -hmm. most out of it um what what are any other tips or any of the things that you know, faculty or students should be aware of in terms of online. You really gave us a lot of, of good information that we can use going into the upcoming weeks. Um, one of the things that I would do um, if I were just at home searching for lessons is I would actually type in COVID-19 camp. And when you oh, type wow. in COVID-19 camp, that is going to bring up a whole slew of online resources. And when you type that in, companies that have connected themselves to COVID-19 camp, you will see all of these companies that cover all subjects, math, reading, writing, spelling, grammar, history, all of those are covered. And it actually gives you the full list of um, companies that are offering online lessons for free. That's awesome. I had no idea. So that's just one kind of catch-all resource that you can use and, and it's easy to access. That sounds awesome. Thank you for providing that. That's really a great resource to check yeah, out. Yeah, because I, I want everybody to cool. just be able to to be able to access information. And when you start typing in things, even if they type in even if you type in homeschooling options, homeschooling options opens your entire world up and you can see videos and you can have uh, books that can be read. I mean, there are just so many options on there. Um, But I would caution everybody to say, before you share some of these things, especially with the K through 12, make sure that you know it's a legitimate site and that you check out the learning resources first. Sure. For sure. So just make sure that it's something that's yeah. viable. And a lot of the stuff that's Creative Commons that has been out there, like with Merlot or some of these 
bigger um, open educational resources. The stuff yes. is really good. I would say it's on par, like Lumen and some of these huge companies, their whole, the Bill Gates and Melinda Gates mm-hmm. Foundation, they, they have a whole incentive or initiative, which is really just for making sure that there's free access to K-12 information, higher ed. A lot of people are not aware of this though, that there's so much information out here on the internet that's really good quality information. It's just sitting out here waiting for someone to access it. But like you said, it's just a matter of just checking to make sure the resource is credible and then it's off to the races. You can really use it and it can be just as viable and just as engaging and um, just as robust as anything that you would find Mm -hmm. in the classroom. So it's definitely worth it. All right. Well, I really appreciate all these nuggets of wisdom, all these resources that that you shared with us. This has been very interesting and informative. So this definitely is something that I feel like it's going to be helpful for parents, for faculty, for students. Yeah, definitely. Because I think just the reassurance that they're not alone, that there's a lot of resources out there, that there's credible resources and that online learning, it can be Mm -hmm. synchronous in terms of a Zoom platform or face-to-face video, but it doesn't have to be. There's a lot of asynchronous uh, textbooks, there's platforms, there's different, like you said, the museum tours, there's things that students can be doing on their own that doesn't necessarily mean a teacher standing in front of them and they still are going to learn and have a great experience gaining that information just like they would in the face-to-face classroom. So I want to finish up just by asking you one final question. Um, How do you want to be remembered? And this is like a two-part question. How do you want to be remembered? And what is the future of education as you see it, whether it's K through 12 or higher ed, online? So how do you want to be remembered, first of all? And that other question as far as the future of education? Um, I definitely want to be remembered as an innovator. I want to be remembered as an educational coach. That's the title that I, I will give myself because I like to be able to educate the students, to educate the parents, to educate Um, the other teachers around me, um, I am definitely an open resource. So I really would like to be remembered as as an educational coach, someone that was innovative, that saw, okay, this is the problem, but let me figure out if I can get a solution here. Um, So that's one thing that I really uh, take my time in doing. I am very solution-oriented. So um, educational coach, I think, would be... uh, an appropriate title for me in, in remembrance of me, educational coach. Um, the other part is uh, what's the future of education? Really, the future of education yes. has always been going in the direction of technology, and we see it all the time. But now um, that we are almost forced to use technology, um, the future of education really is technology based, it has a lot to do with student learning. Um, with time management, and uh, it really has a lot to do with students taking control of their own education. That's really the face of education is technology and students taking um, taking control. And it also, you know what else? It, it also is going hmm. to teach teachers that they need to learn how to become students as well, because now we have to learn all these new Um, pieces of technology everything that's new we got to learn that stuff now so teachers also have to learn how to step back a minute and become students 
That's a really good point. And I think it, it's salient because it goes back to this whole idea of lifelong mm-hmm. learning. The fact yeah. that even if you're 20 years in your field, which both of us are in education, it doesn't mean that you still don't learn. We learn on a daily basis. And this situation has thrown us all into the middle of, look, hey, you know, online learning is something that we all have to embrace because it is, it is the future. And in the case of a crisis like this, it's definitely something that we have to rely on. So let's be open, like you mentioned in the very beginning, and let's continue to look at some of these resources. A lot of these resources are springing up as we speak. A lot of these companies, Zoom was not even on the horizon a few years ago. Now they're like one of the biggest web conferencing companies out there, and they've really kind of stepped their game up. So we have to always be open to all these different resources, all these different platforms, all these different methods of learning and, and, and just really go with them and, and give our students the opportunity to be empowered and give them the, show them that we're not afraid to learn new things, right? Like you were doing in the classroom, being vulnerable. So I appreciate that you really share those nuggets. No, of wisdom thank you with so us. much. And, and I appreciate being able to share them because after all, I really do want people to get as much knowledge as they possibly can. We're all in this together. Hope you enjoyed that episode. To learn more about the EdUp Experience, please visit edupexperience.com. That's edupexperience.com. And please feel free to rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. We really, really appreciate your support. You've been listening to the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business with your host, Elizabeth Leiber.